everyone and welcome back to another episode of Relative Pitch. Um, we hope that you enjoyed our first episode back of season four. Um, like we said last um, last episode, I truly cannot believe that we're even in season four right now. Um, time is a social construct. I think that is going to be my hashtag for the entire season of just like, where is time going? Um, but also, like, as we're filming this, I think this is, like, part of the most hectic part of the semester is usually, like, these first couple of weeks of August, September, like, everything is still, like, up in limbo. Um, do y'all, like, how do y'all feel about, like, the first t- part of the semester? I always don't like it. Mm. So set, the schedules are settling and people are learning how to do the college thing and are failing at it miserably like we all do i mean like it's nobody doesn't fail at it in some aspect but like communication is always abysmal and then you can't set your schedule for like a week or two and that just is always awful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah the well i mean i'm not even in technically my semester yet because here on, on this the west coast we don't start until the end of September. So I have like a whole month (laughs) left until I have to be back in school. But SPS, like our, the the public school system, they start uh, this upcoming week after Labor Day, they go back in. So it's like always like we have the public school start a month before the colleges start. So it's interesting because being on the symphony side, we actually have to think about when we start our programs, we're thinking about the SPS system right because we're that's the teachers we're communicating with and working with so we actually my brain has to actually function on multiple schedules at different times to make sense um and it's it's the same way i mean for sps it's like kids are getting coming back from holidays their parents are kind of like oh it's just the first few days which i know for educators as michael was saying can be a little Mm -hmm. bit difficult if you're trying to learn who are in your classes and everything but i don't think things really settle until maybe like the second or even sometimes the third weekend i know for myself like i'm gonna be like kind of in and out the first drop ad week if you will um and everything but the biggest thing i think is communication i know my professors especially at the dma level so i i can just easily email them and say hey I'm not gonna be in class this first week and everything, which technically I know I don't have to be, but I wanna just tell you because I want you to understand that like, I'm not just drop, I'm not just like using the benefit of at like drop ad week to skip class, <laughs> you know? So that's something I will say is a piece of advice to like any collegiate students. You can, if you want to, you can use this week as like the maybe I will, maybe I won't show up to class week, which is it's built to be that in a sense of, if you're trying out different classes and you want to see which one is right for you, use it for that for sure. But if you know for sure you're going to be in these classes, talk to your professors, just let them know what's going on. If you're like, hey, it's a really rough week or hey, I'm on vacation this week with my family. I'll be back next week. Like, fine. Just let they will appreciate it more than you just not showing up and not communicating at all. Yeah, I mean, um, communication is key. And honestly, as I go through um, professional things of teaching and in higher academia, I realize communication is hard for a lot of people. And I'm just like, we're supposed to be grown. We're supposed to be adults. And the biggest key factor of a lot of 
you know, uh, disorganization is come from the lack of communication. Yes. Um, I remember, you know, when we were in undergrad and, and before that, like a lot of people was like communication, you got to communicate, you got to communicate. A lot of teachers, you got to communicate, you got to communicate. Now being on the other side of that, I'm like, y'all don't even talk to each other. Don't. So, don't. You, you spread a, the gospel, but you ain't walking the green mile. Oh, make okay. That sense. Make that make sense. Um, but you know, again, like if you were if you were going to be busy, then you just need to say, "Hey, I am going to be busy. I I, I got to do this, blah blah blah," and just CYA. Really, that's what you you just need to keep into your mind is CYA. Cover your ass. <laughs> I was like, what is CYA? I was like, what is this man talking about? Never heard that before. No. Um, but I will say, um, and also if something doesn't fit in your schedule, eliminate it. Like, just do away with it. Like, I had to give away, like, it's blasphemous. Like, it's the first time I've ever given away a student, not because I didn't want to teach them. Because they just literally did not fit in my schedule. And I tried and I tried. I said, like, I want to go home. I want to live a slightly domestic life this year. Mm. I, I can't teach you. I'm sorry. I say, here's a, here's like three numbers. Have a blessed time. You got to protect yourself. And I, I feel like I've been saying this. Um, I feel like this is my personal motto of life. But I, I've been saying it to a lot of the people at UGA. Uh, you have to protect yourself because these institutions, these corporations, whatever is not going to protect you at all. So you want to have to set your own boundaries. Um, right. Like you were saying of, you know, I would love to have the student, but however, it just don't fit in, into my schedule. And that is okay. Um, I think the times of, I have to just slave around I have to be busy 24 seven for me to, to feel some type of like I've accomplished something Th that's out the window. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not. Mm -mm. I was telling me. this to a colleague the other day. I said, look, I get my shit done and I, and whatever I do have to do, I'm going to do it to the highest ability that I can. But once I am done, I'm done, you know? Right. Because that is the boundary I have to set for myself because I, I've done, you know, when I was a public educator, I felt every day I would get home, I just felt so drained. I was out of it. I couldn't do nothing. It was weekends. I remember y'all would text or call and be like, what you doing this weekend? Nothing. I'm not and doing not a damn thing because the Monday through Friday has drained me so much. Saturday and Sunday are for me to recharge for the next Monday. And right. I said, I'm never, I'm never going to live my life like that again, because that then starts to deteriorate me as a person. Mm -hmm. My emotional well-being is gone. I physically, like it, it, so many things were impacted by that. So I'm like, no. And even as I'm going to be done with this degree come May, whoop, whoop, um, I will be going back into being a public educator and I'm going to do things completely different this time of setting those boundaries. Like, yes, I am a, a, a band director, but guess what? I also have a life. I am Anthony, who is a band director, not a band director whose name happens to be Anthony. Yeah. 
And I would also say, <clears throat> do not let social media like confuse you or think that you should be doing more. It is great. Social media is great in the sense that you can see so many different people who are doing your job or they're in your career field doing all the different things that you think you should be doing, but you don't know what, you know, what they have going on. Maybe they're doing this for other reasons. You know what I mean? Maybe they have a different capacity. Maybe, maybe their priorities are significantly different than yours. And you just have to take a moment to think, what is important to me? Is seeing my family every Sunday for dinner important to me? Is spending time with my partner important to me? Is spending time with my kids and my family important to me? Um, is hanging out with my friends and doing like social hours important to me? Should I be doing professional development every weekend and like reading or doing like online court? Like what is actually what you want to be doing? Because if you try to look at what everyone is doing and saying, I need to be doing that, you're doing everything. And you're not really saying what is important for you. So you just have to take a moment and it changes, right? It's not like you stay the same forever. Maybe this year you go, as Anthony was saying, I feel like I was really using my weekends for recovery and I want to use my weekends to be happy and to live my life. Therefore, I need to start balancing that out through the week where I save energy for the weekends whenever I have time so I can have that energy to go hang out with my friends, see my family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you, you can't just let what other people are doing influence what you think you should be doing. You have to kind of know yourself a little bit better, I guess, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, social media is good, but uh, social media only shows you the good things in people's lives. Rarely ever will you see someone truly like complain on social media. You do have those people and you're just, you just let them be over there. But like, especially being in the in this profession, you'll see, oh, congratulations. This person has got this and, and they're doing this and they're doing this. But they'll never tell you, well, I got six no's before this congratulations. Mm. So you never see the path. You only see the finish line. It's like the iceberg thingy. Yeah, like you see the tip of the iceberg, but you you don't see you don't see how big that iceberg truly is, um, because social media will only show you the good things. And if you continue to live your life trying to get all those congratulations, you're going to burn yourself out very very quickly. And first of all, I think we need to stop living our lives to be in competition, whether it, it, it's consciously or subconsciously with somebody else be who you are you know like yes i see other people doing things but that's that's good for them honestly i think a lot of people need to have that kind of mentality that's good for them but i'm over here doing something else yes like uh, we're in two different lanes here and that's okay and everybody is different like mm -hmm. it truly is different and they like to do different things Yes. Like I'm a crazy person and I like to drive a lot. That's just what I like to do. Like I'm okay living an hour away from where I work. I'm completely okay with that. But that's not for everybody. I also don't post a lot about on social media about my like like uh like my personal life, I don't think. Like I do everything is related to a job on there. That's just what I use it for. Like for me, it is like the LinkedIn of my life. Mm -hmm. And like my stories is for me, but my post is for like what I do for a job. 
And also, yes, universities are in a competition, but we're also should not be cutthroat against each other. You should not be down talking universities to up talk yours. Like every university has its place for a reason or the program would be dead. Find your niche, find the students that need to go to you. Like there's some students that do not work well with me. That's why I always say, take a perspective lesson, find who you're going to work well with. And if you don't work well with that person, don't go. Who cares if it's like the state school? Okay. Wow. Don't go there. Go somewhere else. It, or high schools, or high schools for that matter. Like mm-hmm. when I was a when I was a band director, I tell my kids all the time. In here, in my classroom, in this room, anybody that is in music or in the arts are all friends, mm-hmm. and we are all supporting each other. Right, because we gonna leave the competitiveness and that that nasty competition to the football team. They can have their rivalry. But in that's not that's not what we're doing. Like for every football game, whenever we had an away team, I would, you know, invite the away team band. Hey, would you like to do the national anthem with us? It'll be a really good way for our students to get to know each other and show unity. The band or the football team can be in in competition, but over here in band world, we are all having Mm -hmm. one one jolly good time. And, and, you know, I, I had people who came out who was like, Mr. Morris, like, you you allowed that? Like, I love seeing that. And I was like, yes, because, again, music, music should not be a competitive art in the way that we're making it a competitive art. Correct. Because it really, I think the definition, what is music? Because many people tell you, oh, music is supposed to be love. It's supposed to be unity. It's supposed to be this. Well, if that is your definition, why is everything in music a competition? Hmm. And not saying competition doesn't, you know, it naturally is a human, you know, trait. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to be competitive win stuff. Yes. But when it becomes like toxic competition, like, oh, I don't like them because, you know, we in the same district and our band's going to this competition. Oh, freaking well. Oh, well. What you should be thinking about is how can I get better from this experience? Instead and how, of coming right. on top for, uh, for a silver or gold trophy. And how can I best prepare my students? Like, my biggest thing, if I go to a competition, go to an audition, go anywhere... I want everybody to be on their A game. I don't want to win something or earn something when, why would I pray on their downfall? I want, if you want to be the best, then you want to compete against people at their best. Cause that's the fun of it. If everybody's having a good day, like also tell people about auditions, tell people about job openings. Don't gatekeep that shit. Like, there's 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 you have to help everybody this is a community this is not just a singular thing mm-hmm. yeah but like here's the thing like with all that because in general yes the arts and music is supposed to be for everyone but it truly it just isn't right the maybe music in itself and arts in itself at large is but the music field the arts field in general has become 
more about the competition about who can get over the the other and anthony you actually said exactly for in the education side why this is is because a lot of reason those rivalries anyway have started it's especially within the south football <laughs> it's the sports teams we, we yep. build this like it is not even just education you can go there are people who i'm sure have had brawls fights have been killed over their choice of who they support yes. sports team wise yes. so this if we have this already baked into the system and structures of how we live as a culture then we already messed up because no matter what if it's culinary if it's in, in medical if it's in arts whatever there's always going to be that level of like we have to be better than this people or the, this person this person etc and we're teaching that within our, to our students too and teachers they can preach and say that they 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 do this and they want their students to all like care for their friends and all that but when you hear them talk about it when you hear them actually speak on it it's not that whatsoever it's not that at all actually so like let's let's cut the bullshit for a second and really actually say this the reason why it, it still is is because it's not actually being talked about in a positive way in general it should be but what it is is not what it should be we're not there yet okay. we're just not there and i guess yeah. pe that because people want to be competitive <laughs> people yes. want to be the best and they only find that they find that they can get there if they're stepping on other people other schools to get there like i said earlier you can preach the gospel but if you don't walk the green mile already then what you just said is invalid you know if yes students first of all you can say one thing but students know you because first of all I, Students see you more than they see your their parents, you know? Right. So they pick up on all your little intricacies of, oh, well, so-and-so said this is not a competition, but every time we're in rehearsal, they're saying, oh, we need to be blah, 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 or we need to be better than da-da-da, or this isn't so-and-so's program. We don't do that here. Mm-hmm. That's toxic competition. It is. And, you know, um, what I'm about to say, I know these Southern band directors, I know they like to tussle, um, but I'm going to go ahead and say what I need to say. Um, your program, these marching bands have become so toxic, competitive, I don't support Adult. One is, especially when I see your the kids have um, kind of bought into this toxicness and they only find kind of reward when they feel like they have won against the other team band or they have destroyed, um, you know, the, uh, the other people that are playing their same instruments, whatever. And I'm like, that should you should feel good just by doing a great performance. Did I did I do better than last week? Yes, great. Then when you walk off a field, you should feel really great about yourself. But no, unless they feel as though they have beat the other band, they don't feel like they they have gotten better. Yeah. I, I there's one student who he's angry because 
the band is it military you know like a, a military situation and i'm like why why are you angry you know let let's really let's really talk about this are you angry because they are is they're learning slower than you would like are they not doing oh you know banton hut it's it's like a true military like we're in the army we're in the marines or something or are you mad are you kind of angry because they're trying to instill more of this positiveness of just like we're getting better last week was a little rough but this week is going to be better next week is going to be better it's about the long game are you not maybe your anger is coming from you're not used to the long game you're used to something like instant gratification and that some most most of the time unless you were like yo yo ma which even i'm sure he had his own time but for most of the time music is a long game yes you are not going to wake up tomorrow and be the best thing in the world no so i think we have to also kind of instill in our kids and i know it's hard like as a middle school band director it is it is difficult to kind of get that into students that they are not going to get this tomorrow especially when they first start on an instrument like you're not going to be you're not going to be good at this tomorrow but it's about in a month you're going to play these you know concert f concert b flat c d e flat and f these five notes you're going to be able to play that in a month's time mm-hmm. but you're going to be able to play those five notes in different rhythms after not being able but to you, play those notes correct you just said something though that really actually brought up a really great question though because where else now in these students, our students' lives, do they have to wait to actually get their reward? You know, with with social media, the fact that you can search things very instantly, you can talk to anyone around the world without really any barriers, all these different things. Where, Where else do we ask them to be patient? Do we ask them to trust the process over the reward? Like, where else do they get that now? Hardly anywhere. It's, I I really think music or any arts, I think it, it is the only kind of subject area that do that. Because, I mean, I guess we could say something like math, maybe, because they're not going to get it. But also, even in those subjects, it's like, one plus one equals two. Like nobody, you're still going to exactly. need the gratification that there's an answer at the end of the day, there but it means that there's not an answer. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that just goes back to like when they're in like K through five and middle school, like how are, are we making them problem solve? That's not solve problems. Like just, can they figure stuff out on their own? Mm. Like, I think it starts there. Like getting the, I, I don't want to say grit, but building the skills to figure stuff out on their own. Mm. Like not have your parents or parents do everything in your life, but then figure stuff out. Like homework. Cool. You can sit by your child and help them, could help them by telling them, oh, it's on this page. 
oh, this is kind of what this is. Don't be like, oh, let me show you how to do this problem, word for word of that problem. Because then later they're going to be like, hey, can you help me with this problem? Because they know you're just going to do it. Do you know I used to get viscerally angry when I was like in elementary school when I found out the other kids' parents would do their homework. And I was sitting here with tears in my eyes because my mom would not help me. Or she would help me, but she's like, I'm not going to do this work for you. No, like, no. And and it's funny because she was like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to tell you what the answer is. No, you're going to go, you're going to find out the hard way where this answer is and how you get to the answer. Oh, can we take a moment? Because all now I the conversation around what the difference between like gentle parenting versus like like has been that's been a, a big thing in general, right? What is gentle parenting and right. what is it to I don't know to be an educator who has those skills as well being I'm like I'm a teacher and I da 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 I, I teach gently, I'm not like the strict but I think actually what's happened is we've we've confused like agency giving students more agency and responsibility of like exactly what you're talking about anthony with your mom she's like i will help you it is still your responsibility to do your homework versus this idea of like i'm they're crying so i'm just going to do their homework for them there's a difference between those two styles of if you want to say educating or parenting in general and i feel like we have we are slowly more and more and more getting away from giving students that ability like michael was talking about the problem solving how do they get themselves in and out of situations how do they be able to you activate those parts of their brains earlier on not saying they have to have a hard knock life and we're just like hey i struggle so you have to struggle but there are things that help develop your brain as a child when you have to figure out oh man no one's giving me the answer i have to find this out for myself and you're supposed to make mistakes you're supposed to have that we i'm sure we all have a handful of situations where we're like i messed up (laughs) i was i got myself into a really rough situation but it taught me a lot and i will never do it because i learned you know what I mean? And I think that is where we have gotten away from is like their parents are like who they think just giving their kids more freedom to do whatever they want, talk however they want, dress however they want is the same as giving them agency and responsibility. It's not. Those are very different things. Mm. And the same thing for the parenting applies to education. The exact same thing. Are you giving your students just more leniency of saying you don't have to do homework? You don't have to do this. You don't have, you can just do whatever. Or are you just taking away their agency mm. and their their the the parts of development that they can get around having that responsibility for themselves? And also, I think as the gentle educating, gentle parenting is a topic, we some people have kind of connected gentle educating parenting with less structure which is not, should not be a thing Um, because really kids do want structure. They want to know. And also let's talk about, let's define what structure is. Structure is just not a schedule. At 7.30, we're doing this. At 8.30, we're doing this. That is micromanaging. Correct. Structure is you have in place certain um, things that are saying this is what the expectation is 
this is you this is how we you know build up to the expectations and this is how we go through it that is what structure is so let's take your example that you were just saying like wake up whatever blah, blah, blah. The, the the expectations after you wake up before you leave this house your bed is made your room is picked up and you are showered and ready for the day mm-hmm. like you don't tell them exactly how to do it you said wake up all this has to be done before you walk out of my house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I- i've just seen too many uh, i've seen too many instances where the gentle educating has just equated to less structure. Well, if you do it less structure, you're going to have more discipline problems. Mm. You're going to have yes. more students who continually try your authority. And I'm sorry, yes. I did not pay thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree, four years, now about to be six years of degrees. For a little 13-year-old to question my authority. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just tell you right now. And that goes to a parent, a child, and whomever else that is listening. Educator. I will not. I will not stand for that. It's, And this is where I default to the admin who run the schools. They carry the keys very loudly down the hallways and run the schools. What are you doing for this admin job? This like, this like, what are you doing for to help with this discipline issue? The first thing I would do, I was thinking about this the other day because I hate walking in bathrooms in public schools. They are messes. They throw the toilet paper all over this thing. The first thing I would do, August 1st, we having a whole little thing in this auditorium. If you mess up my bathrooms, you will no longer be able to use my bathrooms unless uh, you have a written pass and I go one at a time and I watch you to make sure you don't mess up my stuff. Uh Girl, that's Europe. That's literally what they they do over in Europe. I'm like, you will not mess up my bathroom. I'm sorry. Y'all are degenerates messing up these bathrooms. Why do you have to mess up a bathroom? It's a bathroom. This is toilet paper. Have you never touched toilet paper before? Well, child, first of all, like this, you like to see it thrown? Hold on now. These high schoolers are doing more than just using the bathroom in these bathrooms. And, and don't do that. Treat this like your mother's house. You can't do that in your mother's house. And they, and they, no, no, no. They do. That, that's Here's the whole thing. And the, All that the translates. The circle. <laughs> it's a circle. And the, it's a circle. circle. I, I believe they do do that at their mother's home. <laughs> you know, like, I truly do believe that. I, so, I, I made you, a joke. What... <laughs> I made a joke to a kid because he had his feet on, like, band furniture. And I was like, D- do you, do your mama let you put your feet on her furniture? He was like, yeah. I said, then you don't put it on mine, though. Right. But you do not put it on mine. This ain't my expectation. In my house, right? put your feet on the ground where they belong. On the ground. And this yeah. is like also like these kids talking while people are talking. I'm like, my mama would have beat me with an extension cord. No. She would have found she would have found what's next to her, and she would have started throwing it. That would have been the time you get popped in the mouth. Because I remember Ooh. when I was growing right. up, my mama used to pop me in the mouth. Don't you see grown people talking? And let grown people talk. And you better let grown people talk. And then you better walk away while you, you start you. that crying. Don't you start that crying. 
And then you walk away like, <laughs> you better not cry because I'm going to cry about I'm like, I'm going to give you something. You what you want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. And like, you know, and again, I think we we kind of grew up knowing that these are just, the, the, this is our expectations. Like, grown folks got grown folks yes. things. We know, just stay in a child's place, you know, all of that. And also, I think these gentle whatevers, they take, <laughs> like, I can already hear if a gentle whatever Listen to what we just said about your mom popped you in the mouth. Hey, oh my gosh. Yes. Because we was doing something that a child should not be doing. Because the thing is with children, naturally, one thing will lead to another, to another, to another. And now your child's in the principal's office because they done got caught up in doing something and saying some stuff that they didn't need to say. But see, if you would have stopped that back then they would have already known this. And that's what I, my, my thing with, with the gentle gentlers is that you were kind of just seeing it right now as opposed to further down the line. But I, I, I just want to say this. Just because there is some type of repercussion for a child's actions is not saying anything like abuse. Like if a child, you know, is, for instance, wants to come out for being gave whatever, by whatever, all of that, then obviously it is an open place. It, you know, that, that should never equate any of that. Or if a child wants to express any type of their emotions, the room is open for them to express emotions. What we are saying is that there are, if a child acts, and out in a way that requires some type of discipline, they need to know that, hey, you touch that stove, you're going to get your ass burnt. And I think gentlers is saying, I am just going to make sure I'm going to actually take the stove out of my house so that the child never touched the stove. Right. Why are you removing that? Because guess what? In life, it is always going to be there. So really, oh, what, yeah. are you setting, what are you setting this next generation up for? Ooh, it, can we, and then can we talk about mental health on how that has played a huge hand in this as well? Just <laughs> Michael. Okay, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so, you said it, I have to say it. But first, wait, oh. real, real tad, little titty tattle to the ladder, ladder on the last one. I straight up during one of these things, you know, you get called in and do like little one offs, how to like set kids up to play their instruments and stuff. I literally had to set all them kids down and say, y'all, I'm not getting paid enough for this. This is what I make an hour. This is what I'm getting paid for this right now. I'm doing this out of a favor to your band directors. Because I like them. Your attitudes are making me never want to teach sixth graders ever again in the rest of my life. You can't just shut your mouth while I talk. That's a, the simplest thing ever. Just shut up. Literally just shut up. And let me do what I, let me actually teach. Yes. And then we will have fun because you'll learn something. We would have got through the first five notes and then you outshone everybody in your class and you gallivant. You're like, oh, snap. Okay, now this next thing, mental health. So I have this working theory 
that for so long we have disregarded mental health and public education, right? We've disregarded a lot of things. We weren't giving the resources out to children and to things, even to teachers. Like it just wasn't a thing. But now we have flooded public education with buzzwords, with words, with definitions, but still have yet to give them the resources or have destigmatized the resources. So now they're like, I've read about this and I see this. That's me. Mm. Babe, that's WebMD. You haven't seen a licensed medical professional to know if that's you or not. But then I still blame society because we've still not fully destigmatized everything around it. Mm. We say therapy is cool, but then when you hear somebody in therapy, in your head, our biases will come out. This is true. We're like, oh, you're in therapy? Mm -hmm. And then the first thing you go, like, oh, they can't handle their stuff on their own. No, that is not what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They found out that they needed help just wanting to live their life the way they wanted to. It's the same way of getting an accountant. Oh, you need help learning how to handle your money? No, I needed help. I needed assistance. I needed expertise. Same thing with getting a real estate agent. (laughs) You couldn't find your house on your own. You know, they maybe needed someone to prevent them or give them the necessary tools for the future. Like like you were saying, Michael, uh, a therapist. It's like, well, sometimes I just need to get things out and just speak it to another person that are going to give me tools of how to help me kind of navigate this in the future. So it's setting me up. Yes. It can be about the process, the pro- or processing even what you're feeling, thinking. It, it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong you're trying to diagnose. Mm-hmm. It could just mean, oh, I'm not sure why I'm feeling this way, and I'm trying to just get to the root of that. It could just literally be just about processing. But I do agree with that thought, Michael, that it's been such a long time that we have thought about mental health and actually have the implications it can have on students and people in general that now we went too far in the next direction where it's like, well, if they're, if a student is, um, is speaking out or acting out, it could be that they have ADHD. And it's like, maybe, sure, maybe, but you, that is not your place to just assume that because a student is acting out that they, that you're going to diagnose them. It could be, they just need discipline. (laughs) It truly could be easily. They just need to be shown a model of how to act, how to speak, when to speak, when to act and set that structure, that guideline that tells them, this is how I should behave. This is, this is what is expected of me when I am in this classroom and it could have nothing to do. Here's and here's the next thing. Everyone processes things differently. Mm-hmm. We are all three. We're all friends. But we, how we process sounds, light, the, the, like the frequencies, ranges is very different. Because I could have no, like I'm a flute player. So I have to listen to more higher pitch things all the time. So like my ear is probably more drawn to it. Whereas my Anthony could be like, oh, like there's a high pitch going on somewhere. And it's kind of like freaking me out. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. All it means is they're processing things very differently from me. 
sometimes if I like am a little, if I have a little bit too much energy, my leg taps or I have my knee does like the little poppy up thing. All that means is that I have this extra energy that I need to push out of me some way and it's manifesting through my knee bouncing up and down. Nothing's wrong with me. All it means is I am processing the same environment that everyone's in just a little bit differently. That is different. If you have a student who you know is sometimes they have, they, they are not, you know, they just have this energy in them. And maybe that means they need to stand up and go walk outside for a second, go walk outside the classroom, take a sip of water, come back in and sit down. Maybe it's that. Maybe they, there's actually a diagnosis they have that says they cannot sit in one place for over 30 minutes or they will get, they will be overwhelmed. Maybe it is that. But that is not your place to tell them what they should be doing. That is the medical professional's place to say, actually, no, they just need to get used to sitting in that place for a little bit longer. And maybe they just need a fidget, you know, or maybe they just need like a bottle of water to keep them hydrated, something to do with their hands or something to just do in case they need to look around. Maybe they just need to sit in a part of the classroom where they can stand every minute or so if they need to just stand and sit. And like, that that's what I mean. It, we just swung so far in the wrong direction that now it feels like everyone has a mental health issue. <laughs> well, and then let's also take it from the generation that we are. If one of our colleagues or friends was talking out during class, the first thing said about they must not be getting the attention they need at home. They must have a rough home life. Not ADHD was that wasn't the first thing. It's like they someone went after someone's home life and someone went after like they're not getting the attention they need maybe that also wasn't it but like that's how much has changed from like our generation k through five to this one we go from like thinking it's someone's home life or what's happening at home to like oh they have adhd this is just what they do Mm -hmm. and i also want to say is let's stop diluting every everyone's trauma or, or or whatever um specifically if you have a student or if you are like in a middle school or whatever and a lot of students they just as you say there's so much information especially with social media and they start to be like yeah i think i might be feeling certain feelings like i think i'm coming out blah 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 and you dilute their all of their experience to is just a trend or uh, they're just following along. That is that can get really, really um, dangerous because yes, is there these kids are absorbing a lot of information and they are having the the fluidness to, to try different things. That is actually a really good thing when it comes to identity of of a person. And um, but. The thing is, if you continue to say, like, this is just a trend, what you're doing is for the people that truly do feel this way, you have now said, I'm diluting that you feel this way. And I just know that this is going to, um, this is just going to pass, which so cool. is making people go further into the cause of like, well, no one's going to send me if I actually come out. So, and I'm, and I'm sure there are students who might do things for a trend. Guess what? They're middle schoolers or they're high schoolers. They're still figuring things out. Who knows? But it's not up to you to decide that. No. That, that is my thing. It is not up to you. 
because guess what? Nowadays, I am glad that when it comes to sexual identity, these kids have a, a lot more vocabulary to, to talk about their feelings. Because when we were, it was all types of slurs, and you better stay in the closet until you maybe find a place, maybe into college. And before our generation, it was you can't even be who you are until you're 65. Mm -hmm. Or you so, better find your friend that you play racquetball with. Every Friday at noon. At noon, at their house. At they, they, have house. they have a racquetball court there. Like, so... Uh, yes, I, I am. I am thankful that now the, these generation of students have more, you know, aptitude basically for for just being who them are, who they are. So I think we have to be more responsible as adults and as educators to say we understand and we are going to support you throughout your entire journey. Whether that is you try something and you're like, I don't like it and I'm gonna move on. That's fine too. So I think we have to have a little bit more uh, um, just responsibility of that. And especially your language. Your language says a lot about your true intentions, your language and your face, which if you know me, my face tells everything. But one thing about it is, especially when students come to me, I was like, I'm feeling these type of way. Honey, same. I'm here with you, girl. Like, here we are. Feel we it. are together. We Feel are together. Fill your oats. I will always be here for you. So, and, and this specifically goes out to my conservative friends, the conservative educators, and even the ones that are not conservative, conservative but just aren't are kind of in the middle. They don't really know, you know, how to deal with, with these situations. All you got to say, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Mm -hmm. That one sentence will make, probably a child will go home like, wow, somebody accept me. By you just saying, I am here for you and whatever you need. Mm -hmm. It can be that simple. I think a lot of people think that I have to go into this deep conversation. Like, wow. uh, Lauren, I'm sure you, you've gotten this. Oh my gosh, you're black. Are you part of this and this? Did you go to this when you're growing up? And did you have this experience? Damn, bitch. I also do not, do not be like, when a student comes to you and be like, yeah, be like, well, I'm not going to treat you any different. I don't discriminate. I don't do this. I, I love all. That's just like I I see no color. It's the same sentence, and they're both incorrect. We all know your true intentions. So, um, like I've had a I've had a student. They're like, hey, when we're like working together, instead of like calling me like she, could you call me like they? I was like, sure. Why not? I, <laughs> it's just you and me in this room. If you want to. If you're feeling these feelings and you want it to be verbalized to see if it's something you want to be verbalized for everybody, I will be, yes, I will be your guinea pig. I will be, I will be that person to give you the space you need in this world to, to fully realize who you are. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. 
And that that is the proper and appropriate way of being a supportive educator. Because you can go in the wrong direction. Like in the too much, like you want to be too involved in their life and you want to tell them what they should be doing. You want to know too much about them. No, you can just say, this is a space for you to feel comfortable. Let me know how I can help. Yep. And that could be all they need. All. All. Literally all. All they need. Well, a lot to think about with school starting up again and just where we are in the world with everything and um, definitely a lot of self-reflection. I hope a lot of educators took the summer to do a lot of self-reflecting, a lot of reading up on, on different, if there's, you know, you're teaching in communities of students that you do not belong to. Hopefully you have a proper understanding about the kids that you are about to be in front of and that you will have a major influence in their lives and the things you say matter. And they will see you as an authority figure that is saying these things to them. So be aware, be, be, be supportive. If anything, just be supportive. You don't have to know everything about every single student. You should not try to know everything about every single student. You should try to support all of your students mm -hmm. and what their endeavors are as a growing human being and remember that they are developing and they are supposed to make mistakes. They are not little machines that come into your classroom and act perfectly all the time. We yeah. have to guide them. You must guide them, especially if they're not getting that from anywhere else. If you are the one person who you can help them, take the opportunity. Yeah. Take the opportunity. So, well, that's a word. That's a word. <laughs> that is a word. Well, oh, well um, we, we'd love to hear what all of you thought about that. And I'm sure a lot of educators and students who are getting into student teaching, you might be having been thinking about all these things. Maybe you observed some of the things we we're talking about and you're like, I didn't know that's exactly what I was feeling. But maybe you heard something that was like, yes, that is identifying exactly what I was feeling. I didn't know. We hope that this sparks conversation. This brings about a new perspective as always. Let us know what you think and uh, keep it relative. That's all I can say. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.